Welcome to Last Words at the Bar. This is a show where we talk exclusively about boxing. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Daniel Lee. And my name is Lavelle Jackson. So again, um, like I said, we exclusively talk boxing on the show. This is the movement to move with when it comes to the sport of boxing. Uh, we do stuff like uh, topics like who's the best southpaw, who's the current top 10 best fighters in the world. So we have a slew of topics that we discuss on our podcast. This week, we got about five to 10 questions that we are going to answer um, on this particular episode. So uh, the first topic that we're going to discuss is what's the hottest division in boxing? Anybody want to take on that um, topic? Um, yeah, I can, I can start it off. So when I think of what's the hottest division, I think of like, I, I look at hottest and exciting in terms of, of what brings the most intrigue, wh which division has the most questions that are unanswered. It to sum it up, basically. So, I, you know, the heavyweight division has been, you know, relatively booming for the last few years. But in a sense, you know, there there's kind of three three top dogs there. Two of them have fought each other twice. And one of them is presumably gonna fight the winner next. And I it's personally predictable to me how it pans out. Like of course I want to see it pan out, but you know, I you know, I, I think that that's not very predictable, so it's not as exciting to me as some of the others. At so at welterweight you have a bunch of exciting fighters, a lot of who have fought each other already. You really have one, in my opinion, one fight that everybody wants to see. So it's kind of top-heavy in that sense. Um, you know, and that fight goes without saying, but Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. The most exciting division to me personally is the lightweight division. You have a lot of young guns there. You have... You have Devin Haney, you have Teofimo Lopez, you have Javante Davis, you have Ryan Garcia, and you still have uh, Vasily Lomachenko. And, you know, they are about to start fighting each other, you know, with this Lomachenko and Lopez fight coming up. But it just, first of all, they're, they're young and, and improving in a lot of senses, so you don't really know who they are as sort of grown, like, prime fighters yet. But then they just haven't fought each other. And so, uh, so to me, that, that one has the most intrigue. That's the most exciting to me. Uh, I think I have to go with uh, what you just said, Danny. Actually, I, I tried to, you know, list uh, the divisions that were exciting, that I thought were exciting and narrow it down. And um, it's no way getting around the lightweight division not being the most exciting division. Uh, it has the most potential. I mean, a lot of those guys are just coming in at the same time. They're all a lot of them are at prospect levels, but then you have a you know a uber talent uh, fighter in in Lomachenko who could any day now be on the downside, which that can make interesting fights right there, and it can also make a star whoever beats him. But then you, you know, I mean, you also have you know Tank Davis moving up, uh, exciting fighter. You know, uh, st still some questions about his career. But one thing you, you can't deny, the guy can crack. He's exciting. He can box. Um, you have Devin Haney, who um, we'll get to him in a second, but that's one of the fighters I think 
will will definitely be successful in the next few years. He's the guy to watch. We got Telefimo Lopez. He has the fight with Lomachico coming up, but he's an exciting fighter, uh, getting it in. Ryan Garcia, you know, uh, you even have the, the 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 tier below that. You know, you still have Tevin Farmer out there, who is tricky for any fighter. You know, you have uh, Jojo Diaz, who is also another underrated fighter that's fighting at uh, lightweight now. So um, 135 is just, that's the division to watch, in my opinion. Uh, you also have, you know, other divisions. I know the welterweight division is always going to be something going on there. It's, it's very few times where the welterweight division was not the division to, 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 to watch, well, at least not in the top five divisions to watch. Um, you know, you still have Crawford, Spence, Porter, uh, the Garcias, and, you know, um, you still have Pacquiao out there, you know. Closing his career out. Um, you also have uh, light middleweight. Um, I know um, you have Charlo, who just you know uh, head above everyone, but you still have you know Jared Hur, Tony Harrison, um, Julian Williams, uh, Eris Landy Lara. Uh, you have Erickson Lubin. A lot of those guys uh, are probably going to tangle in, in the next few years. And they're closer to tangling than probably the guys at 135 are. So that's, a uh, some interesting fights going on there. And then you have super middleweight with, you know, Canelo who, who can float around from middleweight to, you know, light heavy, have Caleb Plant, uh, David Benavidez. And you also have, we don't know when Jamal Charlo may move up and those can still be some interesting fights, but none of that compares to what I see happening in a lightweight, division. It'll be interesting to see what happened, where they go from here. Okay. So, yeah, as far as the um, best boxing, um, best division of boxing, you guys said a lot. You know what I mean? I'm I'm, not, I'm a stickler for time when it comes to that, not repeating things that other people said that who made good points. So, uh, one of the divisions who I think is underrated is the light heavyweight division because you have Better BF, you have Bivol, you have Kovalev still there, you have Smith, you have Pascal, you have Jake, I mean Jack, you have Alvarez, and they still have Brown. So that's an underrated division um, if those guys – and they even have Joe Smith in the mix. Uh, I, I think I mixed, mentioned Joe Smith. Um, heavyweight, as you said, top heavy. I think Fury is the cream of the crop, but you still got Wilder, AJ, um, Ortiz, if they give them a shot, and then Ruiz. So that would make for a pretty good tourney if they ever decide to do something like that. Middleweight, top heavy as well. Canelo, Charlo, Andrade. And then Golovkin, I would love to see them do something like a tournament or something like that to see who's the cream of the crop. Um, but the two top divisions you guys said is welterweight and it's lightweight. Lightweight for a different reason because you have so much potential there. And I want to see once these guys do start to tangle, what ends up happening, who's the star out of that group. And then welterweight, uh, pretty much the same thing, but they're more so seasoned veterans inside mm -hmm. that division. Um so, yeah, those two, I think it's neck and neck. And I say, like I said, just for two different reasons. I personally don't really think the junior middleweights, I think uh, a lot of times when they mention that division, I think it's more from a nostalgic standpoint, not from a long time ago, but just when they had all of the guys there. Now, as you said, you have Charlo, you have her, you have Williams, you have Rosario, you have Laura, you have Harrison. But just remember a couple of years ago when Canelo was there, too, the other Charlo was there, too. Andrade was there too. So you add that group that they have plus those other three, then you really have something. But I just think now it's a little bit watered down because we still thinking about when they had all of those other guys in there. Um, but that's my list. I think that uh, welterweight and lightweight are the top divisions um, in the sport 
And I'm interested to see once those guys tangle in both divisions, what the outcome is going to be. But I'm going to turn it over to you, Olivia. I think you had like three or four questions that you wanted to um, talk about. Yes, thank you, Will. Um, now to the next, uh, to one of the next topics I want to talk about. Uh, one of the things that attract me to boxing and I love the most about the sport is you get to see uh, many stories. It's like watching uh, – a life from from birth to, to death, you know, you watch someone's career starts and you watch it all the way through and it ends and the fun is in predicting what's going to happen. And sometimes their careers can be predicted. Sometimes it's, it's most times it's actually harder to predict um, who's going to be a star, who's not, who's going to be successful, who's not, what, who they're going to lose to. Um, so one of the, the questions I had is fighters who are, who you thought would have a better career. And I thought about this uh, question because it's, it's quite a, f a few, but I had to narrow it down to the guys I thought would be successful and why I thought they would be successful. Um, one of the guys on my list is um, Devin Alexander. Um, I remember when, he, right before he fought Timothy Bradley, I thought those guys would be the, the future of eventually the welterweight division. Um, which Bradley kind of went on to be, you know, successful in his own right. Um, but I think what hurt it, hurt Bradley is that, you know, guys like, you know, the Pacquiao's and the Mayweather, they, they, they stayed around a little too long and it kind of like took a shine away, you know, a little bit. Um, but he was still successful. Devin Alexander uh, has not been successful. You know, he had the loss to uh, Mir Khan. You know, he had the, that lo that loss to uh, Bradley, which I thought changed his career uh, substantially, um, it was a fight that had he fought that out and ended it the the fight uh, on an exciting note. His career, even with a loss, his career probably would have went in a different direction. And then you have the the out of the ring issues. You know, he has issues with drugs and and things of that nature, uh, being uh, addicted to prescription drugs, um, and it's it's, it's kind of sad to watch. You know. It, talented and, and watch him try to fight through that. And by the time he broke through, uh, his career was on, it was pretty much on a downside. And, you know, and I'm still pulling for him to make a life for himself. So when he does get out of sport, he does uh, have something uh, set up for success in his life outside the ring. Um, but it's interesting because his last fight uh, with, you know, Andre Bertle, I thought he he had a chance of winning that fight, and the second half, uh, Berto just came back and just uh, it was it was an interesting fight because whoever lost that fight, their career was basically, in my opinion, kind of over, you know. But uh, Berto took that fight, and Berto is the is the next guy on my list who I thought would have a better career. And Berto was interesting because he was you know he was marketed heavy on heavy on HBO uh, when he was you know they had the, the the deal with Golden Boy Promotions and HBO and Al Heyman fighters when he was there. Um, he was a fast guy, had power. He was he was hurting guys. He had a wicked uppercut. And I remember when he was, they were calling uh, Miguel Cotto out. At the time, I thought he would give Miguel Cotto trouble because Cotto has always been susceptible to, you know, he's always kind of been a sucker for a hit for uh, an uppercut. And Berto had this, this 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 snappy, fast, you know, wicked uppercut that were hurt guys but for whatever reason um the cake never really rose that loss to ortiz kind of you know took a lot of things away he was in line to fight 
probably the fight Floyd it, had he won if I Ortiz and Ortiz took that fight from him. Uh, and of course, or, uh, Berto finally got that fight with Floyd. But by that time, I mean, we knew kind of uh, what Berto was going to do, how his career was going to going to uh, pan out. Now, I must say, though, I, one thing I am impressed with Berto is I think he is set up to be very successful outside of boxing. You know, I, I follow him on social media. Very positive guy. It's, it's very interesting. I think he's one of those guys that could end up being a very successful trainer or commentator, you know, um, he doesn't seem to take have taken too much punishment, even though in the ring he's taking punishment. He doesn't seem to show uh, effects of that. You know, he has his own like uh, uh, shows where he's cooking and, and he's, he seems like he's having fun. So uh, power to him. But uh, those are two fires I thought would have a better career. All right, so just for the listeners, um, yeah, the, the question is what fighter you thought would have the better better career? Um, you know, thinking about that question, a couple of fighters come to mind. Some of it is about what other people's perception of who was supposed to be good. And then I, I get to the point of who I thought was, uh, who comes to my mind. Um, so some of the fighters that I knew that they uh, projected to have outstanding careers. People like uh, Yorkis Gamboa. Um, I wasn't really, ever really high on Gamboa. I thought he was talented, but I just thought he left himself open a lot. Even when he was coming up, he would get dropped. He'll look good, but it's always, he'll always have those moments where um, he'll get caught. And his chin just seemed a little bit suspect. So I never really was high on him, but I, I could see where people were going with that. Another t uh, a fighter in the past, like Riddick Bowe, he had an outstanding career, but he left a lot on the table in terms of being like an all-time great. Um, sometimes he wouldn't, you know, train as hard. And, you know, he had some issues regarding that. And it kind of derailed his career once he fought fighters like Andrew Galata, you know. And it was like a short time frame in which that happened. He looked outstanding. Then it, it got to a point where he just looked um, like lethargic. And then another fighter comes to mind, because I remember I went to Phoenix in 2009, 2010, and they had big signs up about Mike Jones. Not the rapper, not who, Mike Jones, who, <laughs> not him. But it was a fighter, Mike Jones, a big welterweight around 2010, and they were projecting him to take over the division. And then he ended up fighting Randall Bailey and get knocked out mm -hmm. late in that fight, and that kind of um, derailed his career. So um, those are the fighters that people uh, mentioned. But the fighter who I think about, who I saw, when I watched him, I was really impressed with him. And I thought that he might be like an all-time great, maybe not top 10, but I thought he'd be up there. And definitely when it comes to the Southpaws, I thought he would probably crack somebody's top 10 when it came to that. Um, and that fighter is going to be bad Chad Dawson. You know, like I said, he impressed when I first um, saw him coming up. But really, at the height of his career, is that Tomas Adamek fight. Like, he was really outstanding. And I, like I said, I, I recall what, like, like I said, I told you guys in the past that um, even Floyd Mayweather Sr. was saying, like, this is the next guy right here. And, you know, he had other victories over Bernard Hopkins, um, Johnson, Tarver. And so he ended up losing everything when it comes to, like, his momentum that was going in that direction of him being – would be considered all-time great or a top powerful pound fighter. I think he was number two at the height of his career. Um, but it was that fight against Andre Ward. And so I think he made a mistake. He was he was really so confident that he was fighting at 175. He started his career at 168, but
but then he went up to 175. That's when he was fighting Adamek and, you know, those guys. And so he hadn't fought at 168 in quite a while, but he decided to challenge Andre Ward at 168. And I think that was just a little bit too much. He bit off more than he could chew in terms of dropping weight. And there was rumors that he got knocked out by Edison Miranda a week before the fight. And then he just didn't even look right uh, when he tanked with Andre Ward. But before that, I thought the man was on a, on his way to being an all-time great, at least definitely a top southpaw of all time, or at least one of them. And that's my man, Bad Chad Dawson. All right. So uh, for me, when, when I think of career, right, in boxing, there's two ways to measure a career to me. One is going to be your actual accomplish, like your actual boxing accomplishments. What did you achieve? But then another thing is, would be the career earnings. Like, what did you? How did you market yourself? Did you market yourself in a way where, even if you didn't have a great career, um, you you had like a lot of earnings? Like, for example, Amir Khan, he had a great career. Like, not to not to minimize that, but he also maximized himself in a way to where he he can still you know, get big name fights. Now, the fight I'm about to name, he could have at least maximized the career earnings. Um, and that is Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner is a guy that I was never personally high on, but, and, and he was also one of those guys that, you know, was sort of under Floyd Mayweather and, and had a similar mouth as Floyd Mayweather had without putting in the work. So I was never super high on him, but you know, in 2013 he loses the fight against Maidana. Um, gets a few wins after that. Okay, cool. And so Rock Nation, at this point, they're trying to build up their boxing stable. They offer him five years, forty million dollars. Adrian Broner, I don't know if it's him or the people in his corner or whatever, probably a combination of both. They think that they're worth more than five years, forty million dollars. So he turns the fight down. Later that year, he loses Sean Porter, gets a few more wins against, you know, subpar competition, some of which is kind of debatable because I personally thought Granados should have won that in 2017. And then he goes to get pretty much uh, completely outclassed by Mikey Garcia, gets a draw against Jesse Vargas, and completely outclassed by Manny Pacquiao. And so, you know, he had good fights, he, he he did not maximize his talent, but he could have at least used the talent in his mouth to at least maximize the bag, and he kind of didn't succeed at either of those. So I'm going to go Adrian Broner here. Now that brings us to our next question. Uh, on the flip side, uh, who was a fighter or fighters who you didn't expect to have a better career? Um, I can get that one off as well. So uh, who I had for that one was uh, the alien, the executioner, Bernard Hopkins. Um, you know, he was at 17. He was sentenced 18 years of prison for nine felonies. He was released in 1988 after serving five years. And while he was in prison, you know, he found his love for boxing and completely turned his life around. And so, you know, he lost his debut at light heavyweight had a 16-month layoff, came back at middleweight, went 21-0, 16 knockouts, uh, with 12 of those knockouts being first-round knockouts. And, you know, he just he, – he fought as a world champ after that. Um, 
you know, he fought until 51, age 51, which is unreal. And uh, he won championships and, and broke records in multiple weight classes. So uh, that was the easy one for me. Bernard Hopkins is my answer. All right. So the fighter I didn't think would have a great career. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to say I didn't think this guy would have a great career based on when I first initially saw him fight. Um, I know he had a huge buzz out there in Mexico. But one of the first fights that I saw him fight was against Matthew Hatton out of uh, England. And then I saw him fight Ryan Rose. Um, I remember them hyping him up, and he was fighting Jose Cotto, Miguel Cotto's older brother, but little, bro- little brother in terms of size because he was small, and he moved up to fight that fight against Canelo. And um, I'm talking about Canelo. And he ended up rocking Canelo with a left hook. And so I'm like, who is this dude they talking about? He can't take a punch by this little guy. And so, but every time I would see him, he was progressively getting better and better. Then I saw him beat Shane Mosley a little bit later on. But as I'm seeing him progress, I still don't see it. I don't see what the hype is about in terms of somebody potentially being great and somebody potentially being a cash cow. And so Canelo, he surprised me, you know, to the point now where he's such a megastar signing huge deals. Uh, people are clamoring to see his pay-per-view fights. He's the cash cow of boxing. Um, so, yeah, he's a fighter that I didn't think would have such a great career as he's having, and he surprised me. Okay. Uh, good choices. Um, fighter who I did not think would have a great career, um, I would go with none other than uh, Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. And it's interesting because he, he has two points in his career, which – totally changed his career. Uh, one that, that really put him on the map as a, a force and the other that made him a pay-per-view star. But it's really that, that first uh, point in his career, which really was interesting when he beat uh, Manuel Lacero. And it was that time period right after he beat Lacero and then he uh, signed to fight Marco Antonio, Antonio Barrera. And I remember seeing the Barrera fight and Barrera at the time was, you know, uh, looked at as, 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 as very seasoned pro. He he was coming off a good run where he just had beat uh, Prince Nassim Hamed. So Barrera was kind of that guy at 126. And uh, anyone who's seen that fight, it, it just, man, he just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And Barrera didn't really have any answers um, aside from the first round. I mean, it was a, it was a whitewash. And to the, um, to this day, I think uh, Pacquiao is the first one, the only one to probably stop Barrera like that. Um, and of course, Pacquiao went on his, his run at you know between 126 and 130, where he had the fights with Marquez, Eric Morales, those wars, um, and he finally moved up um, with the with, fought David Diaz, uh, which was you know David Diaz was a decent opponent, but it was the way he beat him, which was uh, crazy. Um, but even then, I didn't think that Pacquiao. Uh, I knew he was improving. He was turning from a one, you know, basically a guy's relying on that left hand, one, two. He was turning to more of a, a, a boxer puncher instead of just a, you know, one-dimensional puncher. And I, I credit that to Freddie, Freddie Roach. Uh, but then the pay-per-view attraction, he uh, that happened, you know, once he took on Austin De La Hoya. And, and, and De La Hoya kind of like, I'm going to pick Pacquiao. It's going to be a big fight. 
I can end my career on a good knockout. Uh, and I think cutting the weight was just way too much for De La Hoya. He was getting older. He had two bad shoulders. And Pacquiao took full advantage of that and pretty much became a pay-per-view star. Um, so I never would have thought Pacquiao would. We would be looking at Pacquiao the way we are now, back then especially. And, of course, uh, Danny brought up a good point with uh, Bernard Hopkins. Uh, I remember Bernard Hopkins was, you know, looked at as an ESPN, you know, level fighter. He was beating guys, but that Roy Jones loss, a lot of people were, were um, counting. Uh, uh, they were taking that, uh, counting that against him a little too much. Uh, and even, you know, when he finally was, you know, went to that middleweight tournament and, Signed to fight Trinidad. A lot of people thought Trinidad was just going to beat him, and 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 he's shown that you can turn your career around if you work hard and stay dedicated. Because truth be told, Bernard Hopkins is not really the, he's probably I wouldn't say the most athletic fighter or the athletically gifted fighter, you know. But he's he's a student of the game, he's skilled. Uh, he trains hard, you know. He takes care of his body, and those are my choices for fighters who didn't expect to have a better career. Now, this moves us to our next question, and it's a simple one. Jimmy Lennon Jr. or Michael Buffer? Well, let me step in on this one. I like this topic right here, man. These two, right, he's talking about upper echelon, creme de la creme, top pound-for-pound announcers, Jimmy Lennon versus Mike Buffer. I see this as like a pound-for-pound list, like you got – um, two guys that's just at the top, but they do it in different ways. They they take different approaches. You know, it's like a Mayweather versus uh, Roy Jones when it comes to a pound-for-pound pound list. You got one guy who has the fundamentals. You have one guy who's just so dynamic and, and uh, what he brings to the table. You got one guy who learned from a family member. And then you got another guy who just, you know, kind of did it on his own, you know, um, to make it to the top. You got one guy who's, like, flashy, flamboyant. Then you got one that's just, you know, strictly basics, but he does everything well when it comes to his craft. And so, you know, when I look at this, man, really, it's, it's you can choose either one, you know. And I think, you know, it's, it's basically even, but it's one thing that separates one from the other. And that is, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> so when you hear that man you know you just ready to, to watch the fight watch the event so i gotta lean towards mike buffer man yeah i'm not gonna uh reinvent the wheel here uh will said what i was gonna say pretty much better than i would have said it i will go mike buffer here as well yeah this is interesting because on paper years ago i never would have thought that jim lennon jr would even be a uh, you know competition for Michael Buffer, but he really stepped his game up. The It's showtime! It's like, it gets you really, really excited. So it's very, very close. But I'm not sure if Jimmy Lennon Jr. won, uh, has trademarked It's showtime, which Michael Buffer, let's get ready to rumble! You probably got a trademark on that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I feel kind of nervous even saying that right now. <laughs> I won't, you know, I won't get fine. Uh, but also, Jimmy Lee Lennon Jr., there isn't a video game named after his phrase. I played 
Let's get ready to rumble. I, I could be wrong. There's a movie called Let's Get Ready to Rumble. <laughs> so for that, I have to choose Michael Buffer. My mother knows who Michael Buffer is. I don't think she knows who Jimmy Lennon Jr. is. And that brings us to our uh, next question. What would have happened if these two guys would have fought? And this fight almost happened. For whatever reason, it didn't. But it almost happened. Lennox Lewis versus Riddick Big Daddy Bo. Okay. Yeah, I'll I briefly address it um, like a six-month lead. So with this fight right here, it was supposed to happen um, because of the fact that actually they – fought in the 88 Olympics. And so in that fight, um, it was really, it was interesting because Riddick Bowe, he started that fight off. He did really well in the first round. But Lennox, although he did really well, Lennox kept his composure. He tapped him with a, a good right hand towards the end. But whatever Lennox Lewis corner told him, he came out very aggressive that next round. Early in the round, he was landing some big right hands. And he get got a couple standing eight counts. The second standing eight count, the referee decided to stop the fight. It appeared to be a premature stoppage, um, but Lennox Lewis had that victory over Riddick Bowe. Now, once their careers went to the pros, Lennox Lewis, and if you, if you look at it, uh, Riddick Bowe was kind of skinny um, in 1988 Olympics, but then he got really uh, put on some more weight, and it was more solid weight, and he kind of found himself early, um, the early part of when he won his title. Like At that time, Lennox, not Lennox Lewis, but Riddick Bowe, Man, he was really skilled. Very good in fight. It's like the best in fighting big man that we've had in the heavyweight division. And then Lennox Lewis, he his career early on, he was extremely talented. But he was kind of all over the place with his style. It's like he really didn't have an identity as a boxer until he got with Emmanuel Stewart. He shored up some things. And um, he became, I wouldn't say he was um, unbeatable. He was the closest thing to having vulnerabilities and being unbeatable. You know, sometimes if he didn't respect his opponent, sometimes he'd get knocked out. But if he was really on point, you see how he knocked out Andrew Galata, how he, like most of the top fighters that he fought, you know, he did really well again. So that's, that's intriguing to me as well. But when I think about both guys, at the height of Riddick Bowe's career, and then – if he caught Lennox Lewis early when Lennox Lewis was still trying to find himself, I probably would have leaned towards Riddick Bowe at that moment. <laughs> like around the time he beat Holyfield the first time at that moment where Lennox Lewis was, I think he might have got Lennox Lewis. But I, without a doubt, after he got with Emmanuel Stewart, that version of Lennox Lewis, I think, would have beat Riddick Bowe. So that's my uh, verdict. Now, Lennox Lewis versus Riddick Bowe. Yeah, Will made some some great points, some excellent points um, that I would have made, especially about Riddick Bowe being one of the best in-fighters at headways that ever been. I mean, very talented, um, very tough, tough guy. He had a chin. Uh, he, could, he could fight it out. It's interesting of a lot of fights that didn't happen while Riddick Bowe, you know, was on top in his, his time. Uh, we, of course, we have the fight with you know, with guys like Mike Tyson, you know, that, that didn't happen, which really both probably would have had a great chance against uh, that version, you know. Um, what always worked against him is, you know, his, his training habits, uh, his dedication outside the ring. 
Uh, and had Riddick Bowe, it's interesting because had Riddick Bowe had the the dedication that Lance Lewis had, Riddick Bowe would probably be one of the best heavyweights ever. Like he would be, he would have Lance Lewis position or even probably higher. Um, but had that fight happened at that time, um, it's hard to say. I, uh, y'all bring up great points as far as um, Lance Lewis being at a certain time that he was, you know, he was all over the place. He wasn't the technician that we remember him for. He didn't have that vicious. Uh, that jab, that one-two combo. But one thing I think he always was, was, was dedicated. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny because I believe by Riddick Bowe not taking that fight, he probably gave away one of the best wins he could have had because he had a real chance. And for that matchup at the time that it was going to happen, I have to go for Riddick Bowe and saying that he takes it. Um, I think he was he would have been too much for Lance Lewis. Now it's not like a whitewash or anything like that. It's, it's this is a close fight that could go either way at that time. But I think the edge goes to Riddick Bowe because of where he was at his okay, career cool. at that particular time. Um, so I have a few questions of my own that I'm going to ask. Um, so we have the rumor that Conor McGregor is going to box again, this time against. The guy that Floyd Mayweather beat, Manny Pacquiao. So, um, to my understanding, it is not official yet. But in the event that it is official, uh, what are your thoughts, fellas? How do you think it's going to go? <laughs> man, Pacquiao going to put that man back in the hospital. Because if it's anything, and I, I don't wish that on him, but, you know, if he, Conor McGregor had issues once he was getting tapped in the head by Floyd. And then Floyd was kind of carrying him some of that fight. And Manny Pacquiao not going to play with him. He ain't going to carry nothing. And so once he gets to tap it on that chin, um, hopefully for him, it's quick and fast. You know, he don't end up sustaining like some injuries because he's been taking punishment throughout the course of the fight. He's not a boxer, so he's not used to that. And so you can't just that. That's a trained professional at the elite level. And he's just like, you know, as far as skill level, he probably like a little bit better than no he's not even better than an amateur so it's gonna be bad you know what i mean like it's not gonna be anything i, don't, I think they shouldn't even consider having this match uh for conor mcgregor's sake but if you want to do it you know you want to take the risk to get that money you know go for it you know you're a grown man so but as far as how it's gonna play out pacquiao's gonna, gonna demolish that man yeah now this fight is it's been a rumor for a few years uh that this would probably happen but I, still, I will believe this fight when it's signed. I, I still don't pretty much buy it. I think it's just talk from, coming from McGregor. Uh, I fully expect Manny Pacquiao to fight someone like Mikey Garcia. <laughs> Y'all might laugh, but I could see them putting Conor McGregor in there with Canelo, you know, because of the zone issue. The zone might want to make that money back. <laughs> like, and, and as a boxing fan, that's not a fight. I would really want to see because I think McGregor would really get hurt if he was in there with someone like uh, Canelo. I think Pacquiao would probably take it easy on him just like Floyd did with this current version of him because he's more, you know, a little tamer. He, he's more conscious of what he does in the ring. The only difference is if Pacquiao managed to catch uh McGregor and hurt him and knock him out. That can that can that can actually happen. You know, uh, he could knock him out Ricky Patton style. You know, 
But if that fight was come brutal, uh, sustained beating like what Pacquiao did to uh, Cotto or Margarito, I can see Pacquiao kind of taking it easy on him. Uh, but still, it's not a fight that I want to watch. I would probably more so watch that than uh, McGregor versus Canelo. But uh, it's not a fight that I would want to watch. I think McGregor should just just stay in his lane and 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 fight Khabib or, or with a rematch or anything yeah, like that. You guys pretty uh, much said it. And you know, apparently that situation got a little more complicated because Pacquiao had you know he has a condition now that has to be co-promoted under. Pack Sports and Entertainment, who he, uh, his company that he just started. Um, but, you know, in the event that it does happen, you know, we already saw Floyd put on the master class, and the rumor has it that he didn't even really train for the fight. Uh, he's more so promoted the fight and went on about his business. Um, I could see I could see him going easier, but I could also see him taking the fight seriously and and, and just kind of, you know, I, I'm not privy to, to Connor's chin, but... Um, you know, Manny may go for a stoppage here, and I, I, I could see him getting a stoppage. It depends on how long he wants to take it, but point being, Regard's going to get touched up. That's pretty much what's going to happen there. Um, So before the next ask, topic, before, uh, uh, we have... Before you, before you yeah, ask that, did yeah. they say anything about purses for that? Did anybody um, research that? I'm looking up something now, and I don't see anything uh, about the actual no, I the number. Um, I only see something about how how Pacquiao wants it split, but no actual number has been thrown uh, out yet. I was yet. asking if, it, if it's too uh, astronomical. Heck, I might uh, inbox Manny and see if I can get that fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, would, I, I wouldn't want to uh, retire a legend like that, though. But yeah, go on to the next question. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Very, very, very double <laughs> <ideas, my> man. <laughs> um, no, but so we so uh, next up we have an actual boxing match that has actually been named. Uh, we have Devin Haney versus uh, Uriokis Gamboa coming up in November. Uh, what do you guys thoughts on that one? This fight, uh, it's not the fight I wanted to see. Um, it's funny because I wouldn't care. If there wasn't a lot of talk about the other, you know, Haney fights as far as him fighting Gary Russell or him calling out Lomachenko or uh, Ryan Garcia. Um, it's funny because I think that's this is where social media and, and uh, watching YouTube, how, how that works against fighters, because really, even I'm high on Devin Haney. Everyone knows it. But I think he's still at, you know, the prospect level. He It's a certain level of fighter that he, he still hasn't fought yet and he's he's going to that territory with gamboa uh so he so but the talking is almost like the way he talks and you know and and a lot of fighters they do this they call out certain guys it's like we don't know if he's 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 ready for that yet you know just like um i'm not 100 sure that teofimo lopez is ready for uh, um from for loma lomachenko um, it's not the fight I wanted to see, uh, but he, I, I do have to respect that he's a, he is a certain age. He's still at the prospect level. Um, that said, I think um, the, I'll be watching the next fight after that, the, the next couple of fights, and see who he selects to fight after that. But uh, as far as who's going to win that fight, I think Devin Haney is going to take it. I think he's too big, too strong. Way too much for 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 Gamboa, this current level of Gamboa, and especially Gamboa who likes to get hit. I think it it, it, it almost 
even though this is a good fight for him as far as the prospect level that he's at, I think it sounds like a cherry pick oh, because Gamboa is like that Damn guy that's easy man, to look good against I unless put, you don't I can't knock him. He's calling these guys out. He won't smoke. And so if he can't get certain fighters to get in the ring with him, then go for somebody like Gamboa at this stage. At the stage of his career, he can get somebody like Gamboa on his mantle, right? And so once he get Gamboa, the, the thing that's going to benefit him is that Tank didn't handle his business against uh, Gamboa. So now you put me in a ring with somebody like Gamboa. Let me show you how you're supposed to do this. How are you supposed to do a showcase fight? Because I'm going to come ready. And so I'm going to take care of Gamboa, and then I can start calling out Tank. I can start calling out other people. Because you see what I did to Gamboa. See, Tank didn't do that. So whoever is Tank's fan, y'all need to go ahead and support somebody like me. Because I'm going to go ahead and handle business. Not like he did. You understand what I'm saying? So I like it. I, I love it. And then you go ahead and get uh, what's his name? Uh, Gary Russell. Because they what it, what it was, what they're saying is, is that Gary Russell wants to fight, but he just they already had November seventh set up. So Tank, I mean, uh, they haven't got to fight somebody. So go ahead and get you get you uh, get Gamboa in that showcase fight, and then you go ahead and put Gary Russell on your resume too. So yeah, I love it. And he gonna take care of Gamboa because the young man got what it takes. Now I know ain't nobody like Gamboa is gonna be. Uh, Devin Haney, especially with the skills, the dedication that he has. So I, I like it. I love it. Yep, I'm right there with you, Will. And, you know, so Gamboa is 30-3, and three, 18 knockouts, 39 years old. He's coming off an Achilles injury. Um, it's a good showcase fight for Haney. Uh, and, yeah, like you said, he this is an opportunity to fight somebody that Tank has already fought, make it look better, and say, hey, look at me. You know what I mean? Like, I handle business. So, yeah, I would easily have Haney coming out of that one with probably an early round stoppage, I would say. That said, so we have another potential hypothetical fight here, uh, which may not be so hypothetical in the near future. But um, as some of the listeners may be aware, um, the Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight is being moved, possibly moved up, possibly moved back, but it's been moved from its original date. In theory, the winner should be fighting Anthony Joshua. Let's assume that winner is going to be Tyson Fury again. So if Tyson Fury were to fight Anthony Joshua in 2021, how you fellas see that panning out? Um, I, I think that Fury is the cream of the crop when it comes to the heavyweights. Uh, he always show up when it comes to the big fights. I don't see somebody like Anthony Joshua defeating Tyson Fury. I think Tyson Fury has too many skills, and Josh. That's what Joshua is too robotic to beat somebody like Fury. Fury gonna see right through that, and he's already gonna know because he's just gonna do basic textbook stuff. You gotta have some special effects to beat Tyson Fury. You gotta have something that he's not gonna be able to see, and he's gonna see everything that Joshua's doing. Matter of fact, he's gonna make him look silly because it's just a skill level there that it's, it's a different level that Fury has, that he's on, that AJ is not. He's too robotic to be somebody like that. He always, to me, even when I saw Anthony Joshua defeat uh, Klitschko, it was like Klitschko impressed me so much because I thought Klitschko was washed up to the degree that Joshua was going to wipe him out. But what it was, was what, what had me so impressed with, with uh, Klitschko is the fact that it was a certain stance that he would he would be in that Joshua just couldn't get anything off. And he was throwing some wild, wide punches because he was trying to hit him, but he just couldn't hit him at that angle. Floyd does that sometimes, too. It's a certain position that he's in. And you're like, why they can't hit him from that position? But it's just 
they know that they had that know-how. And Fury has that too. You're gonna see Fury with his hands behind his back. He gonna and Joshua, he might even stop Joshua in that fight because he's it's just gonna be mentally exhausting after a while, and he's probably just gonna want to weigh out. And Joshua gets tired too. And so Fury sometimes, you know, Fury got a little bit more pop than a lot of people think. So in that case, I don't want to be long-winded with what I'm saying. I got Fury either by knockout or uh, he's definitely going to win that fight if they fight. Yeah, I'm with you, Will. I think Tyson Fury is just at this point way too much for Anthony Joshua, especially as someone who has stamina issues and it seems like he can lose concentration in the ring. And, you know, Tyson Fury, I believe, never would have lost to a fighter like Andy Ruiz. There's no knock on Andy Ruiz because I like Ruiz. I watched Ruiz even before he fought Joshua. And I thought that was an interesting fight uh, to make at that stage. I mean, Ruiz is a very, you know, stocky. If you look at his, his you know, his, his, his body composition, but the guy has hand speed. But Tyson Fury also has hand speed. He's, he can match Joshua's size. Uh, again, people may look at his body composition and say he's not, you know, he's a little flabby or whatever. But the guy has great defense. You know, he, he's very tricky. Um, very tough, uh, uh, way more boxing ability than what Anthony Joshua is showing us at this point. Um, I think Anthony Joshua was a, was a, was a great amateur, which is ironic because Fury, um, he wasn't that amateur standout, but he, you know, he fought his way up. That shows determination. I mean, he kept going, kept going. Uh, he's, he's fought demons outside the ring. I think his he's 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 way mentally stronger than Anthony Joshua right now, um, and as an American, it's interesting. Like um, we may not look at this fight as being as big as it's gonna be, but those guys are like superstars, you know, in Great Britain, you know, in Europe. Uh, I think this fight will be huge. Will still be huge, um, especially in Europe. They. they they kind of worship these guys where, you know, in America, it's like uh, people can can say that MMA is bigger than boxing, but boxing is way more worldwide and it's huge. And, and I think it's a lot bigger in Europe than MMA itself. Uh, so this fight will, will be huge. Uh, and it's been brewing for many, many years. You know that song that anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. That, that one. Right, right. That's that's pretty much Fury. Like any anything AJ would throw at him, Fury Fury could do better. So it's like I'm a little bit more intrigued by what what style Fury is gonna beat him with than like whether or not he's gonna beat him. Because I think I don't think there's anything that AJ could prepare for that would or that any way that he could prepare that would get him in the position that he needs to be in to beat Fury. I think Fury is. Like you said, Vel, he he's fought a lot of of mental battles outside of the ring, right? That I think that kind of carry over carries over into how he approaches his battles in the ring, and you know he has been through a lot of fire in his personal life, and um, that's the kind of guy that would give and will give Anthony Joshua nightmares. So I would go Fury here. And with that said, I think I'm questioning out, fellas. Uh, yeah, can I? I just want to add one thing in too. Like we, t- I was speaking more so what's gonna happen in the ring. I think he gonna have he would have AJ even before the fight starts. Just imagine him talking to him in the press conferences. Just that that mental pressure he was putting on Klitschko. Like when he was talking to Klitschko, he had Klitschko kind of defeated before the fight even started. 
You know, he got under his yeah. skin so much. And AJ mentally is fragile. You know what I mean? Everything he does is robotic in and out of the ring. It's like uh, somebody who's being phony versus somebody. It's kind of like when Floyd fought Oscar and he was getting under his skin because he's like, Oscar is just talking. He's saying what he's supposed to say. You know, and that's how AJ is. And so yeah. when you got somebody who is real as Fury coming at you and talking to you crazy like that, you're going to see the real – it's either going to make or break Joshua. He's not going to be able to just be in that box that he's in. He's going to have to respond, and he's going to have to really be AJ. So he's going to have to find himself mentally even before the fight starts. So I just want to add that in. Yeah, oh, Fury show up in a, in a Batman costume. <laughs> yeah. Is anything else you fellas want to address? I got nothing. Uh, no, just um, we got some good fights coming up. Uh, of course, uh, the 31st, we had the, the – um, Javante Davis and Santa Cruz fight. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, closeout time for yeah, the year. I, I, we'll I really, be getting some fights. Anything that I say now really um, would be based on I'm what's just excited. going on in the sport of boxing. I'm looking forward to those upcoming matches. Um, but to uh, you know, people who are listening, man, make sure you go back and look at some of our other um, uh, uh, things that we've been discussing. Uh, we're starting to develop a nice little catalog of different topics that we've been addressing. So anything as far as your box of needs, you can go ahead and just look at the listing and then just click on one of those episodes. But the other thing that I want to say, man, everybody be safe. I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, your president, he got COVID. And then they just said that Cam Newton's out now too, you know, because he tested positive for COVID. Then you had the incident where uh, the football team, the Titans, you know, a lot of them end up with COVID. So just be safe out there. Matter of fact, when you at home quarantining, you know, pop in one of those uh, episodes that we have. We got something for you. But on that note, we out of here. We peace. Have a great Monday, and uh, 